Welcome back to Harmonize Your Life Conversations on Self-Care for Women of Color podcast with your host, Dr. Tony G. Alvarado. I'm so glad to have you in the podcast studio with us today. I'm super excited because this uh, begins the month of March, begins our um, uh, anniversary for our podcast series. We have now been in um, in, in our podcast series now for two full years. And now this month launches us into year three of the Harmonize Your Life podcast. I'm so excited today about our conversation today, our conversation and dialogue partner. She is no stranger to this podcast. She is no stranger to our community. And I am so glad to have her back in the podcast studio with me as we kick off year three of the Harmonize Your Life podcast. We'll be right back in just a moment, right after this. Stay with us. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome, uh, Dr. Jean Porter-King. Thank you for being here with us today. Hello, Dr. Tony G. Alvarado. Thank you for having me again. Congratulations on going into your third year and happy Women's History Month. Yes, Women's History Month. Mm -hmm. We launched this podcast um, two years ago on March 2nd, 2020. We did not know we would be in a global pandemic. We kind of, you know, mm. we started to hear about it right before the podcast launched, but little did we know that by, when we got full steam, when we went full steam ahead with this podcast, that we would be in a global pandemic. Now, over two years, going into the third year, and but the Lord has been kind to us and has given us grace to mm. host this podcast um, with just dynamic women like yourself coming in and talking to us about issues related to women of color, issues related mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. health, wellness, self-care, uh, caregiving, you name mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. mental health, relationships. We have run the gamut on this podcast, and I'm so grateful um, uh, to God and to all of the women like yourself who have graced us. And this is your first, second time with us mm -hmm. in the podcast studio. And I'm so grateful that you had the time to come back and talk to us. Thank you for inviting me back. It's always my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Now, for those of you who do not know Dr. Jean Porter King, I don't know why if you don't, but let me just explain to you who she is. Um, she is a sister beloved, a colleague, a friend. She is an author, business leader, inspirational teacher, speaker, ministry leader, board certified coach. She brings her engaging style to, um, to audiences and draws on her faith and experiences in the marketplace and ministry to help her audiences connect to their purpose, authentic identity, and the power of leading from within. Dr. Jean shares inspiring messages that are both informative and transformative. Uh, she is the founder 
and president of the Transporter Group, a consulting practice specializing in leadership development and diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy and training. Dr. Jean has developed global leadership programs and has trained um, and coached leaders in 20 different countries. She is passionate about coaching and developing existing and emerging leaders to be their best and to reach their highest aspirations. Dr. Jean received her uh, both bachelor and master of science degrees from the university, uh, uh, from um, Ohio State University, a master of arts in theological studies from McCormick Theological Seminary, and a doctor of philosophy in organizational communication from Ohio University. She has over 30 years of consulting and training experience in various industries, including manufacturing, telecommunications, financial services, community groups, governmental agencies, churches, and other faith-based communities. She is authentic. She has a genuine concern for others to grow and develop. And she has dedicated her 30-year uh, her career to helping women tap into their purpose and destiny. Dr. Jean, will you just take a minute and greet our audience for a second while I let my husband, <laughs> he, is, he is calling me because he just got back. This is real life. My son said, mom, people want to see your real life. So don't be alarmed when real life happens. My dog is barking and my husband is outside because he just flew back in to, um, to from, fly, from flying his mother home. And I realized that I have his keys because I dropped him off at oh. the airport. So he's calling me to let him in the house. All right. So take it for a minute and I'll be right back. Okay? I sure will. I sure will. Just and talk then... to us a little bit. First of all, let me just say this. Dr. Mm -hmm. G, you brought me in on a writing project. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Created to Thrive, this book. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So talk to us um, a little bit and introduce this project and I'll be right back. Okay, sounds good. That sounds good. This really is about real life. Um, well, our book is entitled Created to Thrive, and it's published by CBE International, which is a global women's advocacy group, a Christian uh, global women's advocacy group. I sit on the board for this organization, and our aim is to um, promote gender justice throughout the world, in the home, at work and especially in the church. This particular writing project uh, was launched after a um, conference that we held in 2018, I believe it was, maybe 2019, 2019. And it was called Create It to Thrive. And this particular book is um, intended to help churches develop spaces in which women can thrive, men and women can lead together. And the book is really about cultivating abuse-free faith communities, that there are very subtle ways and often sometimes explicit ways in which abuse occurs in our churches, no matter how meaning, well-meaning the pastor is, the leadership team, um, women can be very hurt and damaged in these spaces. So this book is about giving strategies to help women thrive and to create these um, abuse-free environments. The first section deals with domestic abuse. Many people don't really even know what domestic violence is. This particular um, 
um, section is opened up with a an article or a, a, a chapter in which the person who's giving the forward describes a particular church in the Midwest in which um, the leaders um, spoke for just 10 minutes about domestic violence. And one of the women on the committee was a psychologist, so she was the spokeswoman um, for this initiative. And the elders of the church were amazed at the number of women that mm -hmm. called in afterwards, wrote in that they didn't even realize that some of the experiences they had in their relationships were abusive. And so part of this book and this project is to raise awareness mm -hmm. around abuse, as well as to provide prevention and intervention. One of the things that Dr. Tony and I were blessed to contribute were around the issues of leader, leading and mentoring women in the church because so much of abuse is about power and control. Yeah. So I see our chapters as putting the power back into the hands of women and reducing that abuse by raising up women in the church to lead and create those safe spaces. Yeah. And I like what you said about <clears throat> power back in the hands of women. And what we're doing is um, because that's empowerment, right? Mm -hmm. um, and um, and I'm all things women, all things empowering women, helping women understand the power of their voice, agency, self agency, and um, and and just their leadership potential, and seeing them maximize and um, and live that out. And then not only with women, but I think part of the whole empowerment part is in is um, educating and um, and bringing awareness. Uh, to those uh, issues that um, that create barriers for women, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, sometimes even educating our brothers along mm -hmm. the lines of what they may be doing, sometimes subconsciously, uh, they don't exactly. even know that they're doing as it relates to disempowering or creating barriers uh, for women. This is Women's History Month, and um, um, at the national and I always kind of look at. What's the theme for the year? Uh, for the year, um, and so this year, this the theme of uh, Women's History Month is um, is um, is dismantling bias, biases concerning women, and so um, just that whole the whole mindset. I wanted to talk to. I, I wanted to bring bring this book to the fore because this is national. This is uh, Women's History Month. This is the anniversary of the podcast, and I thought this would be a great way to start out um, our next, uh, this month of conversations uh, around women, health, wellness, and part of wellness and self-care, wholeness, mm -hmm. wholeness is helping women to break past barriers mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that have been um societal impositions and 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 the like that have been um sometimes forced on us mm -hmm, mm -hmm. definitely and in um it's interesting i did not realize that this year's women's history month theme was breaking um biases and that's and and, and, and you talk about that in your uh, I was going to say my chapter is called Breaking Down Barriers for Women in Leadership. And I deal with four levels of bias, four levels of barriers. Can you and talk about those? 
I sure will. I sure will. I start with what I call the personal level. Mm -hmm. And those are the barriers that exist in the minds and hearts of people that prevent women from moving forward. So it could be in the heart and mind of a woman herself in which she's internalized bias against other women, against herself. Many women who have come to formation in patriarchal structures can internalize those messages that women aren't as good uh, pastors or women shouldn't be pastors or women shouldn't be leaders or, you know, as they're in the workplace, oh, I can't stand working for a woman uh, manager. They're just so difficult. So that's a personal level bias that's in the mindset and mm -hmm. uh, men and women, I just started with the women's bias, but men who are in our churches, men who we work with can hold those personal level biases also. And those biases can be um, um, unconscious or conscious. I, I, I tend to use the word implicit biases because there's associations that end up getting made between groups of people and certain words, certain associations, mm -hmm. and they're implicit. Um, um, I don't always call them unconscious because unconscious bias really comes out of the psychological literature when we start thinking about cognitive biases and the ways that we think. And the Neural Leadership Institute, for instance, has cataloged over 150 um, cognitive biases from confirmation bias to in-group, out-group bias. And it is a real thing around how our brains create these shortcuts or structures to be able to process information quickly. Our brains can take in um, millions and millions of data, but I often say our minds can't handle it. So we end up developing these heuristics or shortcuts. So there's this unconscious bias. I also look at though the role of culture and the role of the broader society in creating some of the associations that are more learned are not necessarily the shortcuts, but they've become stereotypes, for instance, for me, is a type of implicit bias. And so we have um, people who hold stereotypes about women. Yeah. Women are more emotional, so therefore they don't make good leaders. Or women um, um, are, you know, women who are uh, assertive and speak up, yeah. they get stereotyped as the angry woman. And as Black women, we've heard that time and time again. Yeah. So those are the means and themes that exist in people's minds at that personal level. At the interpersonal level, what happens is those stereotypes or those biases emerge in the form of the actions that people um, exhibit towards women or the words they use against women. We now call those microaggressions, uh -huh. um, but the reality is there's really nothing micro about them. <laughs> uh, Dr. Charles Pierce, who is a psychiatrist um, at Harvard, first introduced the term microaggressions in the 70s. And then Dr. Daryl um, Sue, he has cataloged a lot of these microaggressions. And the reality is uh, for gender, we'll, we'll take a look at that. Gender microaggressions are the nonverbal and verbal ways in which sexist or misogynist beliefs are communicated to women at that interpersonal level. Again, things that people say 
um, the idea of having, you know, um, certain um, um, labels for women, again, who lead. Uh, again, um, sometimes they're coded like, oh, she's so strident. That's a word for, she, you know, she's talking, she's, she's standing up for herself too much, you know? Yeah. Then there's also organizational level barriers or biases. Those get encoded in the practices and policies. So in the corporate arena, you know, it shows up in policies that prevent women from breaking the glass ceiling. Sheryl Sandberg and her book, I don't necessarily always ascribe to that book, Lean In, because, you know, Black women been leaning in for a long time. A long time. But she did bring up something that always caught my attention, that in performance reviews and, and talent review meetings, you'd have a man and a woman who were up for a similar position. The man was assumed ready for the next level, even if he had not demonstrated his competence for that next level. The woman had to prove her competence. Wow. That's that practice that in leaders in those organizations, whether they realized it or not, that was a practice they held to. And then sometimes it gets inscribed in our policies. And then final one, I'll stop talking after this. Um, it, it comes out in our culture or at the social level in language, you know, using um, sexist language or uh, non-gender inclusive language. Uh, you know, I still can't believe this is 2022 and we're still talking about mailmen or we're still talking about mankind. Every time I hear a newscaster say mankind, it just irks me. Yeah. Uh, but it's that at that cultural so societal level that we still have those um, sexist uh, patterns. Mm -hmm. Wow. So in, in, in here, you list, um, in the book, you list um, these gender microaggressions and how they show up. Mm -hmm. um, you, um, one of the ones that really stood out to me um, is um, the invisibility, the things, the, the microaggression that women's accomplishments get overlooked. Yeah. Yeah. And in many ways, women get overlooked. Again, we won't limit it to the church, but we'll start there. You know, my next chapter deals with how to start recognizing the gifts in women, because in some places, our gifts just get overlooked. They're invisible. Um, I share this in my upcoming book. You know, is that a, um, um, I don't even remember what it was, a conference um, but the uh, leaders were predominantly men. And I didn't know much about this particular organization at the time. But, you know, one of the leaders got up and just boasted that, you know, we are the largest, you know, um, organization of this nature led by black men. And he boasted that. And I looked in the audience, you know, first of all, I was like, you know, you know, those dogs with the dog whistle. Their yeah, ears yeah, perked yeah, up. Yeah. I'm thinking, am I the only one who heard that? Did nobody hear that but me? And so that was a um, that was a, a statement in many ways that really spoke of keeping women in that organization invisible. Their wow. contributions didn't matter. This this place, this group is run by men and we're boasting about it. So, and yeah, invisibility. Biggest supporters are probably women. Exactly. That's what I would say. Yeah, because I'm sure- and looking around, the majority- I of the said, you looked around the audience, 
you looked in the room, it was probably more women there than men. Yes. yes. But, but, you know, so, so when we talk about breaking these barriers, you talked about in, at the institutional level, at the, um, you talked about language barriers, intersectional barriers, societal, cultural level. So when you say, here you have a section, you say, envision the future without barriers. So yeah. envision for women that are listening, for maybe even men that are listening, what would our future look like? This is Women's History Month. This, this podcast is about empowering women, particularly women of color. If we were to envision a place where women didn't have these barriers to, to overcome, sexist language, restrictive gender roles, um, uh, denial of, of, of individual sexism. I like this one. You said denial of individual sexism occurs when, uh, when church leaders deny their sexism. For instance, church boards, church communities claim they could not find a qualified. Now, let me tell you one that, that irks me. Is uh -huh. <laughs> God is only using a man, a woman, because he couldn't find a man. Yeah, like I uh, that's in the net. Yes, that. yes. I, I'm like, what is it that God can't find? First of all, God created. So why would God need to make a substitute? Right. Okay, so that that's one of my pet peeves. But yeah. then all these things, invisibility, sexist humor, or jokes, things of that nature. So. How can we envision, what can women do? What can churches do? What can uh, organizations do mm -hmm. to make it a more equitable uh, mm -hmm. environment for women? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, um, I was really challenged with that piece about envisioning the future without these barriers. And I, I tell the story, it was finishing up a symposium at seminary um, that I was actually just attending, but the guest um, lecturer, I got some chance to spend some time with him later. And he challenged, he said, um, um, envision what leadership or what our, our, your organization, your space would look like if you fully lived into the vision of the kingdom of God. And that's where I would want to start with, okay. is that as we look truly at the kingdom of God or the kingdom, some call it, the realm of God, we know according to Galatians 3.28 that there is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither male nor female, there's neither bond nor free. So as we begin to stand on that vision of yeah. an inclusive space for men and women, as we begin to look at, even in the revelation, we get a little bit of glimpses of the people, men and women of every tribe and tongue that kneeled or bowed before the throne. We begin to see the heart of God really is about this very multicultural, um, you know, cross-gender leadership. So that's the place I believe we start with is really envisioning God's heart for this. Mm -hmm. And then beginning to look at in our individual spaces, what are the ways we can create that? See, I believe it starts at the micro level as well as the macro level. So we're beginning to see more changes at, you know, the Senate, the Congress, the vice president of the United States now is a black woman or a woman of color of Indian descent. 
Um, we see it in different nations. Um, but each of us has a sphere of influence. Yeah. And if we can begin to carve out and create and use our influence to create these inclusive leadership models, starting with us, I think that's where we start that we watch our own language, we mentor the next generation, um, we, we, um, in, we, with intentionality, mm-hmm. you know, we bring women and men on board, we seek allies and we become allies. And, you know, I believe there's men, um, when I think about, do you remember Dolores Williams in Sisters in the Wilderness, her woman is um, anthology, not anthology, but book. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I used that in a paper once and actually in my second book. And she said, when the daughters of Zelophehad took their issue to Moses, you know, it was the whole idea of, you know, we don't get to inherit land because our father had no sons said that's not fair. They took it to Moses. And um, I quoted this in my second book. Dr. Williams says, and Moses took it to God. And the moment Moses took it to God, it became a theological issue. And Moses came back and said, the daughters have well spoken, have rightly spoken. And that we've got to start taking this to God. We've got to speak up as advocates We've got to, and what I said in there is we've got to also identify, there's some Moseses out there that are allies that support women's egalitarianism and women's inclusion. And we've got to continue to move forward because there's going to be noise in the background, but whether it's in our church, whether it's in our corporations or companies, this is the work I do, you know, so helping to raise up senior level women in the organization, coaching women to find their voice and trying to break down those barriers that have been erected. This is what we have to do. And some of us are called to do it. One other quick thing. I remember, um, and you know my background, I'm in ministry, you know, you read that. But for years, I often felt a little badly that I wasn't in full-time ministry as some of my colleagues were. And when I got out of seminary, there was no placement. So I launched my business again. I'd been a consultant and God opened up so many doors that I, in my work as coach, consultant, working in diversity, equity, and inclusion, especially for women's equality and equity. One day it hit me that I really believe the spirit spoke to me and said, wherever you're tearing down gender barriers or fighting against patriarchy, that's kingdom work. Yeah, and yeah. it's not all done in the four walls of the church. And in many ways, some of our churches are so backwards still around women that, you know, we the work wherever we are is the work of the kingdom. Wow. Wow. And, and it's still ministry. And and you have you have helped me. I, you know, we talked about mm-hmm. this on a personal level. You helped me with that. And um, and you helped me to expand part of this podcast was my way of yes. another way of doing ministry, another yes. way of empowering women and helping women uh, find their voice and yes. speak their voice and, and uh, be all that God has called them to be. Um, so when we talk about, because this podcast, when we're talking today about the book created to thrive, if you're just listening, yes. um, um, Dr. Jean Porter King and I are part of this book. She wrote, Uh, two chapters in the book. I wrote um, a chapter in the book. I wrote a chapter on coaching women. Uh, Her first chapter is entitled 
Breaking Barriers for Women. Her second chapter is entitled Women's Ways of Leading in the Church. And if you know anything about Dr. Jean Porter's work, um, uh, her, her book, Leading, Leading Ladies, um, yes. Biblical Images of Women's Leadership. I used that book for years, um, Dr. Jean, in my, um, when I was teaching um, gender differences in leadership at a, uh, one of our, at Beulah Heights University years ago. And then we used it in our uh, Sunday school at church and with women uh. at church. And then of course, you know, um, we've used your work with My Sister's Keeper Foundation. We've used your your um, uh, influence begins with I, that's mm -hmm. And so we love your work. Um, the chapter that I wrote in this book, mm -hmm. you all, um, is strategies for coaching women in ministerial leadership. And so, but we're talking, not all the women who are listening to this podcast or, or on, or, or watching us on YouTube are in quote unquote ministry space, but these mm -hmm. things happen in our families. This happens, mm -hmm. this whole uh, biases and gender barriers for women exist in our families. Mm -hmm. Exist in our in our churches. Exist on in our corporate settings in our work, mm -hmm. um, in our um, society in general, in politics, in every arena, in mm -hmm. every education, in every arena, even in media, we see it in sports. Mm -hmm. My goodness, mm -hmm. but well, I mean, last year, so many women of color came under public mm -hmm. ridicule and just bullying in mm -hmm. the public all because they um um took their own bodies their mm -hmm. agency and spoke for when they were tired and when they weren't um uh um Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. all and so this this idea of created to thrive and breaking barriers and helping women let me transition a little bit why would that be important? We, you and I are both in the space of being concerned about wellness mm -hmm. and wholeness for women, mm -hmm. particularly for women, but for our community in general. How does this relate to your, your whole breaking barriers, mm -hmm. whole, um, being, helping women understand uh, their voice, helping our culture break down barriers? Mm -hmm. How does this relate to wellness and self care mm -hmm. Help mm -hmm. for women. Mm -hmm. um, awesome question. You know, you're the self care uh, guru, um, um, but you, you, making that connection is very important um, because, first of all, when you look at wellness models, as you well know, you know, the whole, uh, for instance, the Global Wellness Institutes defines wellness as these intentional practices mm -hmm. towards the holistic. You know, a holistic approach to your body. They identify anywhere between six, nine, or twelve mm -hmm. dimensions of our lives mm -hmm. that are important to our overall well-being. Mm -hmm. So, wellness being kind of these practices, well-being being the outcome. And if you're leading and hitting the wall and barriers, it's affecting you in a number of ways, and it's diminishing your well-being, our well-being and it's not allowing us to flourish or to thrive. And so one of the things that um, I looked at or the ways in which, you know, my next book is called Leading Well. Mm -hmm. I looked at some of these wellness models and for black women, I think there's a couple that don't get mentioned 
and I've heard you say this, but I uh, um, believe it firmly, um, typically in these six, nine or 12 dimensions of wellness, mm -hmm. spirituality is one of the six, nine or 12. For mm -hmm. black women of faith, especially, spirituality has to be the core, you know, that yeah. we mm -hmm. draw from that well of the spirit to enhance our overall well-being. Um, but because we face a lot of biases, because we face those gender stereotypes or those intersectional um, biases as Black women, both race and gender, um, I'm a firm believer that part of our wellness and our well-being has to also be in a, a wellness approach to our very identity, our personal yeah. identity. Yeah. We yeah. have got to be strongly, number one, anchored in that we are created in the image of God and yeah. we are gifted by God, right? And we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Right. And so the broader culture has gotten a little better. There's still a European uh, beauty aesthetic. Yeah. When I are wearing our hair natural now, mm -hmm. um, but there was a time, yeah. as yeah. a matter of fact, it just came across, I haven't looked at it yet, but it just came across my email, NPR apparently, did a, a piece, oh, it was the BBC, did a piece of why Black women in the U.S. are still penalized for wearing our natural hair, even with the Crown Act. See, that is fundamental to who we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember when I was going natural, I felt this need, you know, my one of my clients was about 75% of my revenue, and I it was, it was pretty substantial. And I remember talking with that, client even though we were doing diversity like you know i prepared her to know i'm going natural and um i never and, and sometimes we think oh you know the black community we got it you know we have to teach the you know the, the the white community and um you know maybe even some other communities but one of the biggest resistance i got was from our own community i remember my esthetician who did my brows at the time i began to have this conversation with her and i'm lying there she's working on my brows and um she said oh those young women with that natural hair it's just a hot mess and, you know, so I continue, we, I, I'm going to do it. And, you know, it, you know, she thinks it's for younger people. You know, I was, I was a woman of um, age at the time. And uh, finally, she just said, girl, listen, don't lose your business over hair. And I thought to myself, wow. Wow. We still have those mindsets, but my point That's is biases and, and it diminishes our well-being and how we see ourselves. Yeah. And we can't yeah. show up as confidently when we're putting on a mask and, and presenting. It's not even our authentic self. Girl, I feel so free with my locks now. Girl, I'm telling you, I love my natural hair. I'm never going back. And this is the face, what I tell people, so you can do it too. This is the face of a black woman professional. Come you know, on. there's many, but yes, you know, right now I have the locks twisted up. Um, but yeah, this is the face. We are setting the um, pace. We are carving out the field for the image of a black professional. And the point is, we're not monolithic. No, you know, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not even going to be one. Of don't subscribe to that or you don't want to do that. That's fine. Exactly. It can be both and exactly. it doesn't be either or. That's what I was just getting ready to say. If you still want to straighten, that's fine. You want to weave, you want to shave it off. But the point is, whatever it is, it's okay. And it's not abnormal. It's not um, uh, unprofessional. 
Exactly. Right, right. Exactly. So we, we can normalize natural hair. Exactly. So they say, can we normalize? Well, let's normalize. You know the things that make us who we are, and so I think that's so important when we talk about. Um, that's what this book was about for me. Created mm -hmm. to Thrive was helping women understand um, who you are and who mm -hmm. God created you to be, and helping culture understand mm -hmm, mm -hmm. our church uh, community our um our, our churches our corporate community our family mm -hmm. understand so that we're not putting women in uh bondage that mm -hmm. we're not that we're mm -hmm. we're making the making it them free to be who god created them to be I, I just, I love talking to you. We could talk all day. <laughs> and you know, the thing where they asked us to do, and I'm so glad you joined um, me in this endeavor. You know, they gave us that section, um, but it's abusive. You know, they talked about a domestic violence. They talked about physical, emotional abuse, but I think it's uh, uh, abusive to the very image of God within women to hinder them from reaching their full potential and living out their purpose. That's another type of abuse, you know, to say women, um, I, I share a story in one of the chapters when my first book, Leading Ladies that you talked about, that was in 2000, we're talking 20 something years ago, not too long after I'd gotten out of graduate school. And um, one of the radio hosts from the Chicago area, pretty well known one, um, invited me on for an interview. Um, and actually it was a TV interview. So he must've had like a TV show. And lo and behold, instead of just talking about the book, at one point he says, you know, should women be pastors? I wasn't in a pastoral role yet, but my grandmother was. I grew up with a woman pastor, right? <laughs> so I just looked at him and said, women are pastors. Wait a minute now, should women be pastors? He was trying to bait me. And, you know, I again emphasize women are pastors. That's not a question. Women are already pastors. And uh, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it reminds me of when I when I went to seminary, my first seminary experience, I took a class called pastoral ministry. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, in a, 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 um, the school was predominantly white evangelical. And the pastor said to me, I mean, the and professor said to me in the class, I'm, on, I'm one of two women in the class. And I I think I was the only woman of color. Mm -hmm. There's two women in the class. I'm the only, maybe two of people were color. One was me, and I'm I'm black. So I got a double bind theory going on here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm I'm black and I'm a female, right? And he says to me in front of the whole class, "Well, you know, Tony, when I um when I re reference pastor, I always use the pronoun he because I don't really believe in women pastors." He said this to me in front of the whole class. And you know what I said to him? What did you say? I'm not here because of what you believe. I'm here because of what I believe. <laughs> if you rate me fairly, we won't have any issues. Amen. Amen. And I got out of the pastoral ministry class. Amen. You got out of it? An A out of the oh, pastoral yes, ministry yes. class. Because see, here's the thing. And and this is why when you said, when he the, the radio announcer asked you, should women be pastors? I don't even enter into those conversations anymore. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to talk about whether or not women are called to preach, women are called to pastor. We're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> right. That's I'm what my point was. <laughs> We're doing it. And 
we're doing it under the unction and call of God that this is not a man call or we're doing something to please you. We felt the call of God in our spirit. And are you to suggest that, you know, God limits God's call to one gender? No, that's your limited thinking, not <laughs> our God. No, God uses and chooses whom God will. And listen, it, it reminds me of the text. You you know, the text in, uh, in the gospels, um, when Jesus at the, Jesus goes and visits John the Baptist in prison, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. are you the one? Or should, or should we, we look for another? Jesus said, "The blind see, and the lame are walking." Go tell John that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, hey, yeah. the yes. proof is in the pudding, and so yes. doing the work and um and and God's hand is on is on our lives. And not just our lives, but our brothers as well. And I think yes, visioning the future is when we can all see that together and exist together, and and know that my gift is 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 just as vital as his gift, and his gift is just as vital as my gift. And we don't have to we don't have to diminish one for mm -hmm. the other, and mm -hmm. we exist and and do this thing the way God designed it. Amen. Amen. In the beginning, it was not so. It Amen. was not so. He and what I've, I appreciate what you're doing, um, especially in this podcast, like when you just shared how you handled that comment, you know, it, you're, you're a coach. You know, we both do coaching, but you're a coach that you model and you help bring out the best. I think that's the, you asked earlier, how can we vision this space? Um, part of it is to do what we do, for the next generation, there's some bad sisters coming behind us yeah. who have not even thought about the barriers the way that we've done. They've just not been um, hindrances to them. As you said, they're not even debating this anymore, mm -hmm. but we've got to continue to coach, support, mm -hmm. um, lead together. And it is men and women leading together. Leading together. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much, uh, J Dr. Jean Porter, let me just, Porter King, let me um, give everybody some information on how they can find you and uh, and tell us about some of the great, you got a new book coming out. I do. We just announced it on, was it yesterday or the day before? It's Leading Well. Uh -huh. um, Baker Books picked it up. I'm so grateful. My agent is just, she's the best. Uh -huh. And um, it is looking at it's a it's a reread of a very vital woman in scripture that provides a leadership model for us that uh -huh. intertwines her biblical story along with her post biblical story that okay. we see her coming up in church history. And she provides a wonderful um, um, platform to talk about. Um, what I call outsider women, because many ways we as black women, especially still lead from the outside. We're not fully um, included in corporations, in our churches, even that are still pretty male dominated. There's exceptions. We create spaces. I'm grateful that you passed your co-pastor along with your husband. I'm executive pastor along with mine, but everyone doesn't have it quite yeah. like that. And yeah. so we have these wonderful um, lessons that come out of the woman at the well. And there's a play on it because I really believe as Christian women, we have to lead from the well. 
And in so doing, you know, it helps our well-being. So I developed a little model of uh, wellness that is, you know, again, when I looked at some of the models, they missed some of the things that I think were vital for us as Black women. Another is being able to draw from our culture, that some of our well-being is enhanced from our culture. Are there some things in the culture that are still very, you know, patriarchal? Yes, but there are music, uh, our church mm-hmm. traditions, not all churches, but you get the point. So I can't wait for it to be birthed into the earth realm. Um, and because it's- I will bring you back on the podcast to talk about it again. Please, please. It Good. centers black women. So it, it it centers my experience as a black woman and it and it's for other black women, though I know others will read it. I want others to read it, but they need to listen to us. Listen. We have something to say. Uh-huh. We have some experiences. <laughs> well, we have some experiences. And you know, um, Jean, when I started this podcast, um, I went back and forth with whether or not to um target my conversation toward women of color. I, you know, I, I thought, you know, I, and I went back and forth and I even asked a few people, should I conversations on self-care and just make it open? But what was in my heart was conversations on self-care for women of color. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I had to wrestle with whether or not, okay, Lord, am I leaving out a, a, a group of people or whatever? But no, this doesn't mean that we can't have the conversation with others. Mm-hmm. But I think that the conversations that n- other communities have been having some of these conversations mm-hmm. and it's okay for us to target some of our conversations mm-hmm. toward our community and uplift mm-hmm. race consciousness, mm-hmm. uplift our community and have safe spaces for us to have. Mm-hmm conversations not that we're shutting anyone else out but if you want to come in let's talk but i coach women of all ethnicities i just had a great success with you know a taiwanese um um, female woman um pastor i have european american i coach across the board and my corporate work is diversity equity inclusion but i promised myself Mm -hmm. when i got to a place I wanted to also do some things for us because often we're missing mm-hmm. from some of the leadership conversations, what I call the leadership discourse. It's changing, but sometimes we're missing. And there's sometimes at those senior levels that I worked at, I didn't see a lot of women that looked like me. And as a lot of times, it's the 20 years I've been doing this work, um, a lot of times, a lot of the equity work around, you know, gender equity, it benefited white women more than black and brown women. Wow. And wow. Um, we've got to continue to share and create those space where we're helping women of color. Wow. So it does not, it's, it's a both and to your point earlier, it's a both and for all of us. So these conversations are safe spaces, um, but doesn't mean we don't do the work in other arenas also. Well, I'm so excited. I mean, you mm-hmm. touched on so many things. This is uh, Women's History Month, the month of March. We're getting ready in our local church. We're having uh, International Women's Day uh, on the third Sunday in March. And our speaker this year is Dr. Valerie Bridgman. And I can't wait for her to get here uh, and minister. And it's so funny because you mentioned uh, the daughters of Z- Zalala Fat. Zalala Fat. Uh huh. Uh huh. I, and that's our theme um, this year. Oh, um, 
<laughs> reclaiming our inheritance and um and 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 our voice and so um i know she's gonna do a dynamic job with that oh yeah um especially because she's a hebrew scholar old testament scholar so oh yeah uh really really good uh with that text but thank you for this this conversation thank you for helping me kick off year three as we go oh, into the third year it's uh, my honor podcast. <laughs> it's been a lot of work to keep it going but god has given us grace to continue um I'm, I'm, i had someone say to me recently you know that's it takes a lot to keep a podcast going a, a, it does. a, a long time and so it does i i kudos I, to you thank you thank you i appreciate it I, it's a team effort. My 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 children got me involved in this, and they push me, and they work with me, and keep me keep me going. And uh, and they, you know, the young people, they like, Ma, you need to do this, you need to do that. Yeah. It's good to have those young people around you because we're it is. coaching them. They're coaching us. They're coaching us. It's mutual. I got your email. I got the email from your daughter, who is at my alma mater, the Ohio State the University. Ohio State, yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So they are, it's a mutual reciprocal relationship. I love keeping young women. I did a mentoring um, brunch today with one of our young people at our church. She's graduating this spring with a master's in her social work, MSW. And um, she just, you know, oh, I, you know, just asking her, you know, we're coaches. We ask questions. How are you doing? And what the, oh, I just love these deep conversations. I love listening to you and encouraging you. So, yes, that's what we do. Yes. Well, Dr. Jean Porter King has been our guest today. Um, I have her website up on the uh, screen. For those of you that are listening and not watching us on YouTube, um, go to uh, go to doc, Dr. Jean J E A N N E Porter King.com. Um, you can find her there on her website on Facebook. She is Jean um, uh, Porter King on Instagram. You'll mm -hmm. find her there at Dr. Jean Porter uh, at uh, Dr. Jean Porter King, and on Twitter, you'll find her at Dr. Jean P. K. And so I'm so glad to have her with us today. So glad that she has been our dialogue partner. Um, we are, you are listening to the Harmonize Your Life Conversations on Self-Care for Women of Color podcast. I am your, your gracious host, Dr. Tony Alvarado. Um, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Google, Spotify. Um, you can find us um, on Anchor Podcast and the LightATL.Live Internet Radio. Um, I want to also invite you women to join the Harmonize Your Life Women's Self-Care Network. We have a network of women from all over the country. And we even, Dr. Jean, we have a member of uh, one of our members is actually in Germany. And wow. uh, we're reaching outside of the United States with our self-care uh, network. And so we have members all over the, all over the country um, that are concerned about health, wellness, fitness, mm -hmm. um, the whole gamut, the holistic approach to life, spirituality, mm -hmm. our finances, our relationships, our leadership, 
all those aspects of what it means to be who God has called us to be. Mm -hmm. Go to my YouTube channel and Dr. Tony G. Alvarado. If you've not already subscribed, go there, subscribe. It doesn't cost you anything to subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can share mm -hmm. these conversations. When you go there, you, the link, you know how you do with YouTube, share those videos um, that are uh, up there. We have three years worth, um, we're going mm -hmm. into three years, two, three, two full years of podcast episodes there. And we're going into our third year of this podcast, beginning with this episode. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being here with us. And we look forward to more conversations with Dr. Jean Porter King. As When that new book comes out, we're going to bring her back and let her talk, let us let her talk to us about leading well. And yes. so we're excited about that. I love the partnership and the sisterhood. She stretched me in the area <laughs> of writing and publishing. And I appreciate her for that. That's what we do, right? We live. That's what we do. Yeah. We do. We support. And uh, Dr. Tony, thank you. Had a, a marvelous um, blog article for us this month on self-care strategies for caregivers. And, um, you know, thank you so much. They were just right on point. So I appreciate you writing whenever we ask you, whenever I ask you, join me in this. So thank you. I appreciate that. You know, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. And, mm -hmm. you know, you know, I have to just in a moment of transparency, I, my writing, it, it, when I went to seminary and when I went to, particularly when I was working on my doctorate, that was the thing I was most insecure about. Lord, can I, can I write a dissertation? Can I write a thesis? And so um, I always get a little anxiety whenever I write. And I, 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 so when you asked me to be a part of these things, you're really helping me break that <laughs> area of, of anxiety concerning writing. So thank you again. I appreciate Amen. you so much. All right. We'll see you all next week for another intriguing conversation on Harmonize Your Life, Conversations on Self-Care for Women of Color podcast with your host, Dr. Tony G. Alvarado. See you soon. Hi, this is Dr. Tony Alvarado, and I want to personally invite you to join the Harmonize Your Life Women's Self-Care Network. Join us for fitness motivation, health and wellness information, inspiration, self-care strategies, and ideas for creating harmony in your life. As a certified health and wellness coach, it is one of my greatest honors to support women in your fitness, health, wellness, and self-care goals. Join the Harmonize Your Life Women's Self-Care Network, and we will do good on your journey.